yeah, let me, let me jump into what we're looking at this week. We're starting a series called Power and Weakness. I find many of the passages that we'll be looking at really profound, okay? Uh, here in 2 Corinthians, we'll be working through 2 Corinthians. This builds on what we did when we looked at 1 Corinthians not all that long ago. And there are several themes in what we'll be looking at that connect with what it means for us to let God work through us. And in loads of different ways. Paul lived in Corinth for a year and a half. He describes himself as, in this letter, as weak, broken, in anguish, despairing, under great pressure. He says that he wrote this letter with tears. 2 Corinthians is an emotional and personal letter by Paul, and we'll see that as we go through it. And so, for example, today when he talks about being comforted by God, he knows suffering and comfort in, in, in significant ways, okay? But let me, we jump into some stuff right now. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your presence with us. I thank you that we know your presence. I thank you that you meet with us. And I, I pray as well this morning that there would be people that are joining, that are with us online, that in their homes right now would know your presence, would just be able to sense you there with them. And Father, help us now as we look at your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me start with something. You'll see how this connects in just a moment. Okay? You all right with that? I, I love uh, theology, right? The study of God. However, like we all do theology. I, I, like I don't want anybody to be thrown off by that word. We all do theology. Often, however, people make logical conclusions about God that are just plain wrong. Okay? And even for all of us, none of us, none of our theology is perfect. It's just, you know, we'd like to think it is, but it's not. And let me give you an example of something, a view out there. By the way, this is wrong, okay? <laughs> this is like, but a view out there, it's known as the openness of God or open theism. And that sounds nice. Everybody, you know, openness of God. Okay. Again, is rubbish. But, okay. So, Basically, what they did is they looked at the classical view, classical view about God and about how you describe God, and they thought that that view was lacking. Essentially, in that view, God is all-knowing, all-powerful. God knows the future. However, in open theism, um, what they did is they looked at passages in the Bible where God seems to change his mind or respond to someone's prayers and said that this isn't logical. If God knows what he will do already, then he would be completely impassionate. Um, he would never change his mind. And why then should we ask him for anything, right? Like they would, these are ways that they would attack the classical view. So they believe that God doesn't know the future. That God is acting in time with us. That when it appears in the Bible like God knows the future, which actually is much more often than you would expect, that it's just because God's powerful enough to make those things happen, but he doesn't explicitly know they are going to happen in a way that he can see the future, okay? Again, this is rubbish, <laughs> but, and the Bible doesn't present God as of knowing the future as some sort of trick. God's being, God's, who God is, is in many ways foreign to us. It's amazing 
to think about God's nature, his power, his understanding, his knowledge. And we need to be careful in our theology that we hold on to the idea that God is big, all-knowing, all-powerful, God knows the future, with the idea that God is small. And by that, I mean that God comes near, that he knows us. You see, sometimes our logic combined with the otherness of God, makes God in the minds of people a cold, calculating principle. God becomes a computer program that abides to our wishes. (laughs) And this is not the case. You see, we need to get our ideas about God from the Bible, which hold on to both this idea, this view that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, that this big view of who God is, but it also holds it alongside the idea that God can comfort us in our troubles, right? And that's how we get, like when we get to this passage here in 2 Corinthians, look at how God is described here. Verse 3, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, catch this bit, the Father of all compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles. What a great way to describe God. The father of compassion. Like you want to know where compassion comes from? It's born in the heart of God. The God of all comfort. Who comforts us in our troubles. When you're in pain, when you face troubles, God wants you to climb up into his strong arms and rest. We need to recognize that God is big enough to handle anything and yet cares for you and for me. There's a guy uh, by the name of John Fountain. He's a professor of journalism at the University of Illinois. He was uh, also a national correspondent for the New York Times, okay? And he shared his own personal testimony uh, in a bit that was for over the States for for NPR, And let me pull you some phrases from what he said in that little bit of testimony. Check this out. He says this. I believe in God. Not that cosmic, intangible spirit in the sky that mama told me as a little boy always was and always will be. But the God who embraced me when daddy disappeared from our lives. The God who, and I'm pulling out some bits. The God who warmed me when we could see our breath inside our freezing apartment. The God who held my hand when I witnessed boys in my hood swallowed by the elements, by death and by hopelessness. The God who allowed me to feel his presence, whether by the warmth that filled my belly like hot chocolate on a cold afternoon, or that voice whenever I found myself in the tempest of life's storms telling me that I was something that I was his. I believe in God, the God who I have come to know as Father, as Abba. Daddy. Do you you hear in that just that closeness, right? And that's the sort of closeness that we're invited to. Again, sometimes for various reasons, and sometimes even it's because of our, you know, our logical theologizing, we end up holding God at a distance, and yet God is ready and willing to come near. We need to be aware of that. We need to believe that. We need to invite that. We need to allow that. And that benefits us massively, as you can imagine. 
but it's not just for us. That's what we find here in verse 4, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. In other words, the quality of that comfort that we've received from God, which is fantastic, we can then show to other people. Now, by the way, let me pause for a moment here. There might be someone here that goes, I don't think I've received God's comfort, right? I remember with a, with a girl, a, a teenage girl, who she had all her principles right in her head about God. And she was saying to me and some other youth leaders at the time, you guys talk about God's love, but I have no clue. Like, I've never experienced God's love. What are you talking about? And we didn't know what to do, right? There was nothing we could say that would really change it. So we were just praying, and she was praying, and that, that tension that she felt propelled her into prayer. But she was just going, I don't, I don't feel it. I don't get it. And then there was a spiritual moment of breakthrough. And this lovely, generally principled, cold-hearted girl was in floods of tears as she experienced the love of God. That comfort is available for all of us. And so we experience that comfort, but then we, t- we are able to comfort others. This, is, this connects with something I noticed a long time ago as well. I noticed that God seems to use people in powerful ways who have gone through difficult things. Or some of the people that have the most profound, just kind of like power on their lives that God is at work through, there's actually, there's a depth behind that that's come through pain. A few weeks ago, we looked at James chapter 1, and I spoke about how trials have the power to change us like nothing else, to develop us in deep ways. What we're looking at today goes beyond that. Your trials can be good in how they refine you, but also in how they enable you to help others so that you can share the comfort that you've received from God. Uh, The church where I became a Christian was started by a man named Doyle Van Gelder, okay? And Doyle had seen some really hard times in his life, and he had a fantastic testimony where basically he was, he had been quit school early. He was severely dyslexic. He was working as a carpenter, but you know, whatever. Like he was working as a carpenter, and he felt like God had called him into ministry. Doyle Van Gelder went on to get a doctorate and start a very large church. And there was, and that's the church where I became a Christian. And when Doyle would preach, when he would talk about pain, there was a palpable sense of God's at work when he would do it. You could feel it in the room. And to me, that had to do with what he had gone through to get to that point. That when people needed comfort, he could identify And he could share the comfort that he had received. And when his wife, Debbie, got cancer, she didn't blame God. Instead, she turned it into an opportunity to help others with cancer. And I remember when her son stood up at her funeral and said, we prayed for healing and now she's healed. And now Jamie Van Gelder, her son, leads his own church, right? Also with an authority and and humility. And when he stands up to talk about pain, just like his father, there's a power behind it that changes lives. 
I don't know what you've gone through, what you're going through. Pain and trouble that we go through can either destroy us or, they, or it can refine us. And it's not just for refining us, but also it can be used in our lives in such a way that we can help others. How might God turn your pain into a force for good? Now, I want to share with you, this is just kind of interesting. But you can see, you'll see how it connects. There was a study in which they took 100 and, I think it was 136 MS patients, multiple sclerosis, right? They took 136 patients and they split them up into two groups. And the one group, what they did is they had them meeting weekly to learn coping strategies, okay? Which that seems like a good, and they were going to measure both groups to see how, what progress they would make. And they'd measure them in loads of ways, depression, self-esteem, self-confidence, all sorts of things. So one group would learn coping strategies every week, and the other group, once a month, would meet up with someone else who had multiple sclerosis to talk about what they were going through and to, where the one person, one person went out with MS would try to help the other person with MS, okay? Now, it's interesting, which group do you think did better? And I think what you're immediately going to go is you're going to go, well, it's the MS patients that were helped by somebody else with MS, right? The surprise result of the study was that it wasn't either group. It was essentially the people they had brought in to help that benefited most. The ones that were trained up and equipped to help other people made the most progress in their own lives. You see, something as well in this, that when, when we turn outward, the pain we go through is hard. But when we turn outward and say, God, how do you want, me to, want to use me in the lives of others, that we are changed. And Paul here talks very personally about this exact thing. So in verse 8, verse 9, verse 10, he says things like this in verse 9. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. He says, oh, in verse 8, check this out. He says that what they experienced, that they were far beyond the ability to endure, despairing of life itself. What he's describing there is being properly in the pits. But then he says in verse 9 and 10 about how God delivered him, rescued him. Verse 10, he delivered us and he will deliver us again. And it's because of the comfort that he had received from God that he can then turn to the Corinthians and comfort them as well. Let's pray. Father, in many ways, often we don't understand pain, but it is beautiful how you are able to use it. We pray that our focus, our drive, would be to be used by you. That you would help us to turn outward, to look for the needs of others. That you would help our hearts to be refreshed by your comfort, and that we might show that to others as well. Father, I pray for some people. Father, I pray for a breakthrough in how close they're able to come to you. Work by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.